0: Uh, Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, depending on which part of the world you are coming in from. Uh, My name is Sharad Agarwal. I'm the founder of onlywebinars.com, and we like to have uh, engaging conversations, such as the one that we are going to have today. And uh, I want to welcome our panelists. Like always, we have an awesome panel headed by Dr. Lynn Sejmoor, who's an author and change activist. I will let Jock. Uh, Judy Neal introduce her in more detail in a bit. We also have Susan Furness who's today joining in from the UK. Susan is an alternate strategist, senior edgewalker and associate and more than anything else she's a dear friend of mine for the last 25 years. So welcome Susan to the show. Uh, Dr. Judy Neal also a great friend of mine. We've done a few edgewalker cafes before so welcome to the show Dr. Judy. And Patricia, I hope you can hear me and your audio is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, welcome to the show as well. Thank you. I know you are a certified Edgewalker coach as well. Yes, I am. Thank you. So welcome all on this panel. I'm looking forward to learning from all of you. And I'm going to hand it over to Dr. Judy Neal to take this forward, please. Dr. Judy, over to you. You're on mute.
1: Thank you Sherrod so much for that warm welcome and for all you do to support community and the growth of wisdom in the world. You are a dear friend and we're so grateful to you. So thank you very much for doing this today. And uh, I'm just also thrilled to introduce our host Susan Furness, whom I've known, I'm I'm forgetting how many years, but it's in the decades now and who's uh, very, very precious in terms of her wisdom her grace her gentleness and her business savvy she is truly an edge walker as she walks between the business world and the spiritual world and the internet world and i'm not even sure how many other worlds she is going to be walking through because she's always expanding her approach to what's on the cutting edge, and then finding a way to curate that and bring that to people, as she is doing today with this Edgewalker Cafe and as she does in so many other ways. So thank you, Susan, for all you do. And it's also my pleasure to be introducing Dr. Lynn Sedgmore. And I've known Lynn for, I think it's close to 20 years now. And Lynn was one of the first people to host an Edgewalker workshop in London, um, when we were just the book had just come out, the Edgewalker book, and she saw what was in the wisdom of Edgewalkers and wanted to share it with her staff and with her community, and we had the most fabulous, creative, delightful time in London, uh, and. Uh, I'm just very grateful for your belief Lynn in this work and for what an edge walker you are as you have walked between the worlds of education and leadership and being a priestess and being a coach and all of the uh, and renovating a church. <laughs> and so it's just so many different things that you have integrated and touched people with and so um, and my great pleasure to welcome you, Lynn. I can't wait to see what you have to share with us about luminary leaders. So thank you. Over to you, Susan.
2: Oh, Judy, thank you so much. I, I know we all feel touched. And, and we also um, have in the room as well, of course, Patricia, as um, as Sherad said. So thank you for joining us from Italy, Patricia. And of course, uh, Patricia is very dear in our community, as as indeed you all are. And I'm thrilled to see that we're nudging 40 people in the room. So thank you all for coming, and thank you for writing in the chat where you're coming in from, because it really, you know, helps us sort of to feel so. Um, I don't know. Uh, the wonder and the blessing of this curious time that we're going through, times of change, which has really brought us online on Zoom, hasn't it? You know, Zooming around the world on Zoom instead of a 747, enabling, you know, conversations like today that otherwise we might not have joined in. So I'm thrilled for that. And, And today, you know, gosh, Lynn, when you and I, you know, came up with this topic, which was a good few months ago now, you know, turning on the light for new world leadership, obviously in honour of your work, Lynn, and we're going to talk about this in the luminary approach to leadership. um, We knew, of course, that um, this new paradigm, this new world business, this just new life, you know, was really testing You know, the definition of leadership and indeed testing leaders, the leader in us all. But little did we know that, you know, in these rapidly changing times, this particular seven days indeed would have required such dexterity, not just from leaders in government, not just from leaders in business, not just from leaders in community, but from all of us in our role of leaders in community and in family. Because imagine having to explain a lot of the change that has suddenly happened to, to those at home, of all ages, of all generations. So um, we talked Lynn about you know these rapidly changing times, needing a little bit of re- nourishment, just not from the head and what we know, and primary research, which really doesn't really exist anymore, does it, but actually also from the heart. So, Lynn, before we fold into some real juicy exercises, um, what is happening for leadership today? Over to you.
3: Well, one of the things that I feel is happening in leadership is it's fragmented and all over the place. So the thing that I would like to open this session with before we go into conversation is with two minutes silence, if we may because the whole issue of being present, having presence and being grounded and centered, for me, is at the heart of my luminary teachings. And I think is at the heart of what is needed today so that we can rise above our limitations and our egos. So can I invite everyone, if, I, if you would, to find a way now, of settling in your seat, feet on the ground, notice your posture, I'm correcting mine as I speak, back straight if you can, and notice your breath, if you want to close your eyes. All I'm asking is that you find a way, some of you will be experienced at this, some of you may not be, But find in your own way for the next two minutes, I will chime. When you hear a chime, please come back into the group, bring your attention back. So notice your breathing and allow yourself to arrive and to settle and to be here in whatever shape or form that takes for you. Enjoy the silence and the presence. if you allow your attention back into this seminar. Noticing where your heart is, is it open? Noticing what's happening for you here now.
2: Well, Lynn, let me speak about, if I may, about what I'm noticing. I don't know about all of you in the room, but um, I was reminded again of the, uh, of the volume of the sound of silence um, and, and the way that the sound of silence or being in silence can really play with time. Because I don't know about you all, but the first minute felt long. And then that, I, I assume it was the sort of second minute it just sort of, I don't know, morphed into one. And so, so Lynn, um, I'm a communicator, as many of you know, I'm sort of known as uh, a, a brand and marketing communicator for many, many years. And it might be interesting to you to, to know that one of the strategic um, uh, uh, tactics I use in, in, the, in how we roll out campaigns is appreciating the power of silence in campaigns. You don't always have to be saying something in a marketing campaign or in an advertising campaign. You can push and pull the market using silence. Lynn, how would that translate into leadership and being a leader? Well,
3: for me, um, I'm a doer. So I had to learn how to sit with the silence because my personality is one that will fill the silence i like to talk i'm an extrovert i'm an enneagram type eight seven wing so filling the spaces is very easy for me so part of the reason why um i've developed a leadership development that has presence and silence at the center is because for me what I discovered is that an inner wisdom and inner guidance knowing who I truly am and being able to pause (laughs) and listen to the sound of silence is a really really important feature of leadership and the more that I was able to do that the more that I felt that the decisions that were being made, the co-creation that was happening with others was more profound and more long lasting. And when I started to explore this with my staff, I've been a chief, I have was a chief exec for 17 years, worked in various organizations, I discovered that if they could slow down and hear the sound of silence, that other people were experiencing something similar. So I've introduced this from my own experience and the experience of others. I think it allows something deeper and more profound rather than the constant rush, 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 must get done, must get done and the paradox of this is that in some ways more gets done (laughs) if we can feel into the flow if we can allow that flow to happen if we can really understand that we don't control everything which we think we do as we're rushing away and hitting our targets and getting all the pressure that actually the doing gets done sometimes and that's that's a spiritual state. But I think it's also a leadership state. It's a human state, but it's also a very important state
2: for leadership. Well, thank you so much for stressing that, because what I'm hearing there is, is, you know, to talk in before you talk out can be so powerful. So talking into yourself and into your team or your family or before you talk out into the proverbial marketplace. and and. You know, that takes a bit of practice, though, doesn't it, Lynn?
3: It takes a lot of practice. I remember the first time I sat um, <laughs> sat to meditate when I um, joined a Buddhist group. I honestly sat and thought I'd been sitting for about half an hour. and When I looked at my watch, it was two minutes. <laughs> i couldn't believe it and now i can sit for for hours and hours and days on end so yes so it does take practice and at the heart of my luminary program uh, there's a few students on on the call actually um, presence being in the silence allowing the silence is something that we practice together all the time and i have circle processes actually adapted from the quakers um, in terms of how do we listen? meiotic listening, how are we soul listening? How are we depth listening? So the silence from which we listen as well as from which we speak.
2: But yes, it takes practice and commitment. Uh, and commitment, yes. Uh, thank you for using that word commitment because um, indeed that's what I was going to bring up too. And of course, you know, practice as a ritual or something that's in consistency, you know, consistency does bring on habit. And habit, of course, can be good habit as well as bad habit, a habit that brings you nourishment as well as an, a habit that drains. So, so Lynn, um. We didn't uh, and we're hoping that everyone sort of uh, has read your bio, et cetera, and in the all of the lovely posts and materials that's been going out. But it is is indeed, as Judy said, you have been actually a three time CEO uh, and indeed um, in your retirement. You've recently taken on the chair role um, for the UK's largest, I believe, regeneration scheme. For any city or town, and that's the Glastonbury, your hometown, which many of us will know, because wherever we're from, we've just had the most wonderful Glastonbury Festival, the first after the two year pause of corona and you're now the chair of that regeneration scheme scheme. um and i think holding um uh, or the custodian i believe of i don't know about 30 million sterling the largest regeneration scheme from the british government lynn um how 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 can a leader encourage um talking in before talking out in themselves and indeed their team um, that's from your practice as a CEO and indeed as a priestess and an author of the Luminary Approach. Over to you.
3: Well, to
2: be honest, I
3: think it's by walking rather than talking, by actually modelling presence, having the quality, the state of being. And I know Julie has, Judy has explored this for years through edge walkers. That actually you don't come. T- Telling people what they must do. You practice or introduce or it's encourage silence or inner reflection and reflection time. You live from it. <laughs> they experience your presence and your being as well as your actions and the outcome. So they're they're experiencing the inner and outer impact of you and what i have found people will say things like you've got something that i don't have what is it what were you doing when you did that what was happening when we sat in that circle and something happened what was yeah um and and gradually it's more of a an invite, a living invitation that people say, "I want some of that." Or your team are outperforming everybody else. What's going on there? What's the ingredient? so people's appetite and interest is already engaged because they're noticing something different and and often that's what people would say about the teams that i was leading co-leading because it's always a we not an i yes i may have been the most senior in a hierarchical terms but it was a we so people saying what is happening there And I've had teams where they've been really embarrassed to be silent. They've shuffled in their seats. But eventually they've said, I like that. That's done something for me. But it's always an invitation and live practice what I preach.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. Thank you very much for that. You know, role modeling, how important, in fact, one of the sort of um, heartistry um, uh, sayings that I love is that, you know, a fearless leader role models, love of acts and kindness, because he or she knows that others will then um, adopt acts of love and kindness too. Um, and, And indeed you said you know, being uncomfortable to sit in silence, often we're uncomfortable to speak. You know, so the polarity of silence, as in voice and speaking, you know, often we can find ourselves full of butterflies or something if we're if we're called on to speak. And so, Lynn, I wonder if you'd mind if I went to you, Judy, for a minute um, and just asked you to come in there and sort of maybe I know pick up where you'd like on this about, you know, how do we get used to both the sound of silence and the sound of our voice? (laughs)
1: walking between the edge of speaking out and speaking in yeah yeah thank you for that question um i'm i'm just really taken by what lynn is saying about presence and the magic that happens when you allow for silence and move into being and the doing comes out of that that's the edge that is the critical edge that makes the difference between someone who has big impact and someone who just does adequate work. Uh, Daryl Connor has done um, amazing work on presence and character. And he talks about that being the critical difference between the highest performers who really have um, trust in their relationships. And there's something about being silent together that creates a sense of trust that we can settle into and then out of that the work emerges, it just flows and I think the silence is the channel to the Spirit and so we become more interconnected there's more a sense of oneness in that silence where the Spirit connects us and guides us when we're willing to surrender as Lynn talked about opening our hearts in the very first thing you offered us to do Lynn was open our hearts and so when we do that in silence when we have spirit join us however you define that inner wisdom or higher wisdom however that is for you uh, there that's when the magic really happens and life just gets so full and rich so Lynn thank you so much for prompting deep thinking about how we can be and how the doing comes out of that
2: yes isn't that powerful and i and i'm just sort of gonna give a thank you judy as well as a summary on that sort of like you know listen to the heart first, because the heart knows, and then ask the head, you know, all the tangible, quanti- the, the, the quantifiable stuff. And, um, uh, Sharad, although your nodding has been a bit less noddy in the last sort of 30 seconds, prior to that, you were really into the camera. What's your thoughts, uh, Sharad?
0: Look, there are two doctors in the room, so I'm just listening and enjoying this conversation. Uh, My take on, uh, you know, leadership and, uh, you know, from my point of view, I believe in walking the talk. I never ask my team to do something that I'm not willing to do. So if I'm pushing, you know, 14 hours a day, I think I have the right to ask my team to at least work 10 to 12 hours. And I think if uh, you can um, lead by example, then your team members are willing to uh, follow you. So that is very uh, important. I see a lot of leaders out there who are trying to dictate terms who are autocratic. And I think uh, they don't have uh, any uh, team members that trust them. So you build trust by being a role model and uh, by setting an example, and then it becomes rather easy for the team members uh, to achieve uh, you know, high ROIs and ROEs in the business space. So I think uh, the onus is on leaders to really uh, lead by example. And that's uh, my takeaway from the conversation so far. Over thank you, season, yeah.
2: so, so you, you, meant Thank you, Sherrod. You, you mentioned two acronyms in there as, as tangible measurement results. ROI, which I take it is return on investment. Yeah? And ROE, did you mean return on example? Or return, return on engagement. On
0: engagement. Uh,
2: yeah. 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 So and you can R-O-E, actually be a re- return yeah. on example,
0: you know. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And ROE is more important than ROI because ROE leads to ROI. And that should be the process and the mindset of business owners. Because many times when I go and talk to, uh, you know, prospects and customers, their first question is, what will be our ROI? And I tell them, this is a wrong question you're asking me. Let's first talk about ROE. Because if you achieve that, then ROI will follow. So I think a little bit of rethinking has to go in the minds of leaders. And especially in today's Web3 space, which is the new world order, right? Technology is dictating pretty much uh, the way we'll be leading our lives. So in Web3 space, it's about collaboration rather than competition. So again, it's up to leaders now to start collaborating uh, with other players in the industry rather than just having that competing mindset. And collaboration then can open so many more opportunities and we kind of bake a larger pie and everybody grows in the process.
2: Well, thank you, Sherrod. Again, I mean, just for everyone in the room who's wondering what Web3 is, um, that, that Web3 is, is said to be the emerging marketplace that we have that's carried by the fourth industrial revolution, which is said to be the digital age. And Web3 um, is said to house metaverse and metaverses and blockchain and crypto, all of the things that some of you might feel are, you know, not good energy but it's finding the good energy in those and it's a tokenized world something called nft and so um just just to explain what was meaning by web three and also to say so at the minute we're in web two we're in the sharing space where we connect and and we but we lease everything that we connect on right you know we're leasing the zoom we're leasing our domain name and we're leasing our software web three gives us an ownership society and we can all take part in creating that but you know before we even migrate into web three and that and you can join other conversations around that if you're interested Lynn, I mean, here we are in this reality now. And so, you know, given to what we've all been talking about so far, and, and some of the observations of both Judy and Sharad, uh, I wanted to talk about patterns and conversations and what's happening in the now, in your earshot, you know, in leadership, whether you're hearing it on the TV or whether you're hearing it in your own conversations, are there any patterns you know, are there any concerns? Are there any conversations that need uh, stopping or starting? Over to you.
3: Yeah, I think there are some common conversations. uh, And and obviously, we're going through quite political turmoil here in the UK at the moment, which is all about leadership character. You know, I think US and other countries are having the same. But so what what I feel is, is happening and the kind of conversations from my uh, town deal work and my coaching work and, and on the TV and talking to other leaders, is there's this sense of not being valued? Yeah, and if you look at the the rising in in the UK of strikes again, we're going into an interesting period. There is something about a leadership that often people feel is corrupt. Self interest would be a kind of word, but can lead to corruption. So there's there's lots of dialogue around people feeling taken advantage of people are saying to us at the town deal oh is all that money going into your own pockets and it's like nothing could be further from the truth the board and myself don't get paid anything um so issues of not being seen not being valued being a means to an end instead of a collective equal peer working alongside whatever your role is that actually everybody matters, everybody's role is important, we are part of a whole and a a system and a set of interdependencies. So I think at the heart of this is, is leaders who haven't done their shadow work, who are full of hubris, who are actually still in that individualistic heroic model, and really need to say what's the collective higher purpose what's the greater good for me leadership is service leadership is right action leadership is fostering the potential um and the creativity of everyone involved it's not taking advantage of it's not making people work until they're exhausted and paying them as little as you can so i think those big themes at the moment because i think leadership is an art and it needs heart (laughs) Uh, and in that sense it's resonance it's relationship so if we're in right relationship with other people we will lead in a different way People don't become a means to an end. They become part of the interdependency of delivering something to a common purpose. I don't know if that kind of answers what you were saying, but that's, that's what I'm getting. This feeling of see me, value me, include me, engage me, let me give my fullest. I think everybody wakes up every day wanting to give their fullest, wanting to give their utmost. I'm an extreme theory why person it's about how do you support enable them to do it and i think our political leaders and many other leaders particularly in the finance finance sector as well need to listen to what we're all saying today
2: thank you lynn i mean there was so much in there to unpack which i'm not going to but i am going to um take out that wonderful Uh, What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. Leadership is an art that needs heart. Leadership is an art that needs heart. That was lovely, Lynn. Thank you so much. And it also needs courage, of course, to be a great leader. Um, Some say bravery, but uh, and some of you online may have heard me before the wordsmith in me. Just take that word courage and uh, uh, and appreciate it for the French word for heart, which is cour. And so if you take the first part of courage, C-O-U-R, add the E in there for cours, you've actually got the heart age, Lynn. And uh, you know, there's many like heartmath.com, etc., that are really saying that this is the heart age, as well as the fourth industrial revolution and all the other, the other night, the other vocabulary we use. And I did also um I want to just pick up for a minute on uh, the, the word shift of shadow. So I heard you say, you know, there's so many leaders, but there's so many of us, you know, I resemble that remark that still need to do their shadow work. You know, what is it that gets the whole ego amplified and coming out to play when it should really just settle down and wait to um, just be a, a little bit of a rudder, not the controller? And so I often like to use the word vulnerability for the word shadow. And therefore look for the value in that vulnerability as we know there's great value in shadow you know what lurk lurks beneath so um you know i also uh lynn before we go on to the next cue i just want to say to the audience out there that you know if you do want to ask any cues do let us know shavad is looking um, in online there and um we're happy to take a cue from any of you or, you know, we can get you on, or, or from the from the a sheet there, that would be good. Um, thank you very, very much. So, so Lynn, um, you know, we're talking a, a lot here on sort of the more softer side, maybe, of the old, that the old era leaders would call the soft side of things. Um, I don't mind, and I know many of us in the room, including Judy and Patricia, do not mind using the word spirituality. And indeed,'ve um, you know, uh, uh, one of the curious things for me in the curious time of Corona is to find my brave heart, my courage, to actually call myself an alternative strategist, you know, one that works in the cusp of the intersection of strategy and spirituality. So, so Lynn, how do we get um, um, comfortable in that intersection between strategy of leadership? and spirituality is there a place for it in the boardroom over to you
3: Oh, absolutely. That's been my life's work since 1989, when I had a really profound mystical experience in Greece, and I had been appointed to head up a business school, dean of a business school, and I needed, that was 1989, and I needed to come back from a month's retreat and take up this new role, and I had really, my whole system had been kind of reconfigured uh, as a mystic so my whole journey from that time has been if you like being a corporate mystic how do i integrate the two you see i'm not i don't I'm not frightened of results either. One of the things that I've done in all my um, roles is turned organisations around and with my teams and my colleagues, we have had outstanding results, the Centre for Excellence in Leadership that Jodie Fry and Jochen and Altman uh, looked at, and Judy uh, was involved at that time had outstanding results on every um bottom line and soft and um soft result you could think of. Um I left Centre for Excellence and Leadership with three million surplus. Um, so I don't think there's a separation actually for me, there isn't. And I don't mind if people don't call it spirituality, but they call it higher purpose or common purpose, but they have a sense of something bigger and greater than themselves that they are serving. For me, it's a divine presence, and I've explored divin- the divine all my life. So for me, and Jodie Fry and Jockan and Altman illustrated this in um, Spiritual Leadership in Action, The Cell Story, was that if you align your strategy and you are looking at both linear requirements and the, if you like, material targets that are being set by your culture, your organisation or your bottom line, and alongside that, you've got the flow of dynamic strategy. Mintzberg coined that ages ago. He talked about the potter and the clay. So that whole notion of dynamic strategy, I call it in the luminary course, the dance of dreaming and discernment. So you could call it the dance of the linear and the spiral, the flow and the outcome. So it... If you can get that beautiful balance mix for your context of linear planning, looking at certain things, having clear processes, good accountability structures, clear targets, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, alongside a more dynamic presence and flowing, then magic happens and results come in, as well as people feeling satisfied and discovering their fullest potential. And Cell was a living example of that. And I know other other organizations are, but it's fundamentally about saying, let's accept all of it. Let's be authentic, aware, adaptable, also autonomous. And we have something we want to deliver together. There's nothing wrong with delivery. And I think people polarise. You're either floating around or you're hard, fast and really driven, etc., etc. There's a beautiful intermixing and a marriage between those ways.
2: Well, oh, oh gosh, Lynn, again, so much there um, um, and all just awesome. And um, one of the phrases of the many that you said there was that, Dreaming and discernment. That really caught me. And I notice as well that it caught uh Cindy Wigglesworth. Um and Cindy, um, you are the author of the book The 21 Skills of Spiritual Intelligence. And indeed, both Judy and I are coaches in spiritual intelligence. Are you, Lynn? I can't remember. Are you an SQ
3: Yes, Cindy's book has influenced me. I've had one of her tutors come and work with my first group of luminaries on spiritual intelligence. Hi, Cindy. I love Cindy's work. It's awesome. Yeah.
2: Well, we all do. And so, Cindy, are you able to come off mute and, and talk to us for a moment? We can't pull you directly into the room, I don't think. But are you there? Because I've also got Barbara love streaming and discernment. So Cindy, Cindy Wiggles, you're joining us. Thanks, Shiraz. I'm here. Thank you. Yes, I was invited to unmute and I have unmuted
4: and I'm so excited to see all you wonderful people. Hi, Cindy. Hello. Hello. I don't know if you
2: can see me. Can you see me? Probably not. We can't. We can hear you beautifully, Cindy. So Cindy, what have you heard? And what can you add to this quest around the light of leadership at this time? At this time, my heart breaks every day for watching
4: the chaos in the world, the pain in the world. Um, all right, I will join as a panelist. Thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, Cindy, are you there? Yeah, working just joining in working in on room. it.
4: Yeah.
5: I just Wonder-
2: got prepared. Perfect. I got promoted to panelists. Hi. <laughs> um,
4: I sit every day with the pain I'm experiencing and knowing that I'm not unique and experiencing this pain and trying to find a container large enough to hold it. And every theory I have ever touched comes through my mind. Um, Lynn, you're such a brilliant example of holding complexity and polarity and polarity management is one of my favorite tools. And you um, and and Judy, and of course, Susan and Patricia, I'm sorry, I don't know you, but maybe we'll get to know each other later and Sherat, you too. But um, the folks who have been speaking have been speaking in polarities, and I'm really listening for that. And how to hold the spiritual paradox, because paradox is even a higher level of polarity. And how do I love people who are making me nuts and who are actually corrupt and trying to destroy the government as I understand it, right? So given my value of democracy, people are trying to destroy democracy. How do I love them? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I'm really listening into let the heart lead, dreaming and discerning, um, and my need to sit in silence more. I'm really having that as a takeaway.
2: Oh, bless you, Cindy. And, I, and so I'm going to sort of bridge that over to Lynn Then, so dreaming and sermon. How do we love them? I mean, how how do we bring love into common as the common sense tool to help build common serf, ser, uh, common purpose for common unity? And that, of course, is a word for community if it's put together. Over to you, Lynn. The word love.
3: Uh, love is at the heart of the Luminary Wheel. But, uh, presence, Bertha, uh, illuminatrix, love uh, at the heart of the wheel. Um, I have been talking about love in organisations uh, since the 80s, being ridiculed by some. But again, um, actually modelling it, um, having a big heart. That you use the word vulnerability as well, Susan, that's a huge word for me as an Enneagram eight, seven. For those of you know, I have had to allow my vulnerability because uh, an eight likes to be strong and shielded. Mm -hmm. So having a a big heart and keeping it open and genuinely feeling that love. I mean, service is about love ultimately for me. And, you know, that quote, you know, work, work is love. Um, embodied or something like that is is really true to me so again i think it shows in your actions in appreciation in enabling everybody to be appreciative and some people find it really hard on soul of leadership that uh, margaret Benefield's course we we looked at appreciation i do on the luminary course some people it's hard to express appreciation or to receive it So what's your relationship with love? What's your relationship with appreciation? How do we keep our hearts open? When I, my first chief exec job in 1998, and I was being beaten up by the board. They were really harsh and they were really cruel. And I remember thinking, now I know why chief execs come out of a board meeting and go around shouting at everybody and literally kicking ass, metaphorically, because they've been treated so badly by the board. So they're going round repeating it to get things done because they've been rattled and shaped and that was when silence and being present it's like no i need to stick to my values and my truths because it would be really easy now to go out shouting at everybody and saying get this done move that forward why haven't you done that why haven't you done that because i had been treated in that way but i didn't so that's that. I think resilience is about the inner resilience of saying what is right action for me in this context and seeing from my shadow or my unconscious what would be easy to do toxic leadership from. And it is hard when you're in pressurized, targeted environments, which I have been in. I, I was in the further education se- uh, sector. It was very male, very practical, very vocational. And you need to keep coming back to what's right action for me? How do I keep my heart open and still get things done? Yeah, there's tough love as well. It's like if somebody's messing about, if they were not caring for their students, literally, I would look them in the eye and say, how can you be allowing your student results to be so low? Just look me in the eye and tell me why. So there's tough love as well.
2: Oh gosh, I'm loving that. That's really touched my heart. You know the polarity of love, and and of course I don't think Jim Lockhart's on today, but Cindy, you know Jim Lockard, one of our uh, really sort of uh, trailblazing SQ coaches, talks about the twelve. Uh, Energies of love, I think, including agape, you know, that universal love, which Lynn would bring us right into sort of um, common purpose. And as Simon Sinek, the author and presenter who's doing some great 15 minute births at the minute, Simon Sinek, S I N E K, causes this, uh, causes his the just cause, you know, sort of purpose or reason. What's your just cause? And really taking that through the organization. And, you know, we're very it's a fabulous room today. Patricia, you've got a lot to summarise in two ticks because we've also got actually got Professor Jochenum Altman in the room. And so Jochenum, we I've, I'd love I'm Brilliant to see you there. You were mentioned earlier. I don't know if you heard your name. And, and just to sort of say as an intro, another common denominator is the International Association of Management, Spirituality and Religion. And yes, all of you. There is an association that's been working for many, many years with a journal as well that crosses academia, business and, you know, girls like me on the street that have been trying to look at that lovely relationship between management, spirituality and religion. And Jochenen, you've been leading that for many years and and really got many of us sort of on board and still with you after all this time. So Jochenen, um. Uh, come in just give us a quick introduction to you because I'm not sure what you're doing these days but I remember when I met you in 2006 2007 you were you had a a chair in the University of Bordeaux and I think in uh, the Metropolitan London University I'm not quite sure you tell me so Joachim Altman what have you been hearing today lead us in and who are you Uh, and mute for you please yeah can we help uh, Sharad, on mute for Jochen?
6: Hi um, everybody, and thank you for bringing me in. So greetings from the Canary Islands, I'm in Lanzarote here, uh, which is a place I try to spend uh, more time, and it's less hot than London today, so you know there's probably a justification as well. Um, So you're right um, describing me, and thank you for that. Um, uh, And uh, I'm now retired, but not really retired. Uh, Like many of us, uh, I find it difficult to retire. So I still continue with the IMSR, um, on which uh, you Susan are a board member, and so is Judy. Uh, And so is Lynn. And um, the journal uh, is continuing. So I'm now uh, in the the role of publisher. I'm not actively involved in the managing day to day of the journal. Uh, We have a a great editor, uh, Katrin Pavlovich, who's based in New Zealand and a very good editorial team. And they do a great job. I just looked earlier today and the fourth issue of this year is already uh, in, uh, two weeks before the due time, and really, really good. And um, I started a book series uh, with the Gruiter, a partnership with the Gruiter, the, the veteran uh, German publisher. Um, and we have uh, one book published uh, that was co-edited with Judy, and um, two others are now about to be published, uh, one in October, one in January next year. And the fourth book has been accepted. So it's now starting its journey. So uh, it really keeps me busy. The other thing that I embarked on, which slightly is a discretion, but not really, is uh, I'm developing a scholarship about antisemitism at the workplace. I'm doing it in Vienna. And the reason, of course, is because anti-Semitism has uh, taken on and on and on. And it um, becomes um, a bigger and bigger issue uh, anywhere, everywhere. And the only uh, scholarly area where there isn't anything about this is the workplace, which is surprising, because if just I'm, I'm picking up uh, statistics, right? If one in every four Jewish Americans, right, and America is the biggest diaspora of Jews outside Israel, if one in every four has experienced an anti Semitic event in the last 12 months, if 85% of uh, French youth have experienced an anti Semitic event in their life, um, if in the UK, uh, hate crimes against Jews are four times as high as to any other ethnic group, proportionally. Then the big question is, and what about the workplace? So if it's so widespread, what happens to the workplace? Well, we don't know is the answer. Early this year, I published the first paper in 35 years trying to look at what happens in the workplace in that perspective. So that's, that's another trajectory. And as I say, it's different, but not very different because you know, at the other end of love, we have hate. And we're here talking about fundamental hate. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you for asking me. Well, essentially, that's, that's what I've been up to. That's what I'm currently up to. And, well, uh, all
2: I can say, Joachim, because, of course, um, joining you in retirement is supposed to be Lynn, and it's supposed to be Cindy, and it's supposed to be Judy. And all of you continue to do outstanding work. And, you know, these niche or niche areas, I'm not, you know, I'm calling that in honouring these conversations that don't get the amplification that they perhaps need, um, you know, really we need to thank and applaud those of you that are really taking the megaphone out on on these type of topics. And and, uh, indeed it sort of takes us right into that spiritual leadership in action that I know you did lots of work on with Lynn and Dr. Jodie Fry um, uh, quite a few years ago. So so Jochen, please, um, you know thank you keep it up and we we all appreciate your your work you. and your tough love right because I, I took that away from Lynn just now or J- and Cindy just now as well that it's not just about love love and you know and of course the polarity of that could indeed unfortunately be hate um, but you know how we bring tough lo- love in to dilute to dilute uh, a little bit of both actually, because too much of, the, of, of romantic or or, or or non-grounded love perhaps could be as dysfunctional as too much um, you know, hate. So um, sort of Lynn, may I bring it back to you and, and Patricia, um, please get ready. And everyone in the room, um, In on behalf of you, uh, Sherard and I have already decided we're gonna be running over at least five minutes so over the hour because we've brought in Cindy and Jochenen and that was just a gift from the universe of time so um please know this is recorded so you won't miss anything there are 48 of you in the room if you need to go but we do have a surprise for you at the end so I would stay if I was you but Lynn you know, challenging times, luminary approach, turning on the light, the polarities, some of which we've discussed today, common unity for common purpose, using common sense, love, prosperity and peace for for all mankind and all living things indeed. Lynn, the luminary approach or any approach that you're working with, what do you say to us? Over to you.
3: Well, what I've tried to do in the luminary approach is a synthesis and, and to go beyond the paradoxes. Um, so, and I'm being radical, uh, I was saying earlier, Judy, when I wrote it, I thought nobody would be interested in. I'd probably stepped off the edge, um, but I didn't care because it came through me and it's what I wanted you to do. And somebody's just asked, can you retire from a vocation? No, I don't think you can. If it's your sole purpose, you just keep going, don't you? And it's your service. So what I've done is synthesize four um aspects of a mainstream leadership because I've been a, a board member of 26 boards a chief exec for 17 years and ran a leadership center with uh, 40,000 people going through with shamanic aspects because I'm tra- I'm a priestess of Avalon I've done 5 years training as a priestess I'm an ordained interfaith minister I wanted to synthesize that with a very clear spirituality and I chose a shamanic um, element so you've got state of being ways of knowing because i i'm an intuitive so i think the head the heart but also the intuition is important to me i play with power i think power knowing your own relationship with power and how you treat others through a power lens is vital and i've revamped joe raylene's leaderful into a much more kind of comprehensive being leader full because i often work with anarchists and people who want to be leaderless so i think there's a big discussion between leaderless or leader full uh, in some communities and I also have goddess gnosis, this is this spiritual divine direct gnosis, the reason I have done it through a goddess lens is because it's a radical disruptive act in a patriarchal society. And as a second wave feminist I'm still going with that as well, so to even begin to imagine the divine this female rattles and shakes so but you can have any divine gnosis at the heart of it really work with the elements. The moon phases and i've developed luminary archetypes and we have ritual and ceremony so there is a complete mix and in terms of gender and again this is in the book all the terms that i used are gender free because i don't want the polarity of female or male we can each be as full and expressive and manifest stereotypical it's a societal construct male and female in our own unique way so i don't know if that gives you a quick uh, run of it but i am really trying to go beyond the paradoxes and all i know is the students that come it's a two-year course Um, their lives transform. I, I spend most of my time crying, I'm so touched. They have visceral experience of what it means to know what your power is. Visceral experiences of leading from your authentic self. It's highly experiential, but also full of models and concepts. And I think that's what we need. We need a leadership that is so big and expansive and holds the paradoxes and the complexities and ela- enables people to be their own unique leaderful luminary self. It's not a one-size-fits-all. So sorry.
2: Absolutely. No, no, no sorries needed. And I'm not going to summarize that up. In fact, Cindy, I'm going to ask you to come off mute because your expressions were amazing there, and you can watch yourself on record later what do you have to say, Cindy? I love Lynn. (laughs) I miss you.
4: (laughs) Second wave feminism, man. Yeah. I hear you. Being embodied as a human is quite the challenge, isn't it? You know, we're having to experience. I am in a woman's body and I'm in a patriarchal society. I am in a white body in a white supremacist society, you know, it's like, so I'm on the end of privilege on this side. I'm not on the end of privilege on that side. I carry within me so many prejudices and so much bad cultural programming. And how do I own that? Because every one of those things is an obstacle to love. And that's the whole point of my life. I mean, I took the commandment, love God and love your neighbor as yourself as the whole point of life. And Lynn, I'm in awe of the work you're doing to bring that into leadership. I love you. Thank you for doing what you're doing.
2: I love you. (laughs) Thank you. I think, yes, we talked about appreciation earlier, didn't we? You know, and I think there's a lot to be said in leadership and in teams and in family and in community for a mutual appreciation society so um you know yeah let's appreciate and give gratitude to all and and um lynn i'm gonna sort of if you feel comfortable i'm just gonna go over to patricia now for a roundup but before i do that you know as um you know gender has come up male and female uh, masculine and feminine and in fact the word feminism do you want to just give us a definition of feminism from your uh, lens Um, because I know it's quite an inclusive one over to you
3: yeah well i do i do work with several charities around feminist leadership so really feminism for me depends if you're looking through a first second third fourth wave feminism lens but if we look at it through fourth wave feminism it's a highly inclusive um liberation that we work towards uh, justice social justice and equality for people of all genders and none and actually stop all forms of oppression, looking through an intersectionality approach, what's our, what's our privilege, um, what's our oppression, and not guilt tripping people, but saying how do we collectively together move to a society that isn't seeped on or based in oppression. As a second wave feminist, the focus was on patriarchy, but there are, I have a slide with, you know, there are about 30, 40 feminisms, but each feminism is looking at how to fight, stop, change, transform a system that oppresses certain groups of people. And, and it includes all genders, but originally it was focused on women. So I don't know if that's helpful. And it's leadership through that lens.
2: That's extremely helpful, Lynn. Thank you. And we're getting some wonderful comments in, in the chat. Uh, Leslie, thank you for all of yours. Ch- uh, 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 Chakra Chakradhan, I know you come on each time. Yes, you will love the ending as well. But Patricia, I mean, here's here's a job and a half for you, Patricia Campanelli, our, our um, EdgeWalker Senior Associate. Um, look, rapidly changing times, Patricia, they require dexterous leadership styles that are nourished from the heart first and then the head. That's what we've been talking about today. Is that what you heard? Over to you. Um, yeah, thank you, Susan. And
5: thank you for your incredible um, facilitation. And this panel is um, truly a model of luminary leadership. I think that the, um, the there is a collective that is happening. And as we've listened to everyone's individual perspectives and um, authentic contribution, starting with um, the importance of silence, centering, connecting within, doing as a leader from our beingness, um, integrating spirituality and the softer side of leadership with the strategic doing getting results in deliveries which is essential to leadership and um, the word integration kept coming to me and I know that's a word Susan and you and I have used a lot but it's the really walking the edge and the balance of the softer side of leadership and the, you know the, the strategic um, the spiritual the heart the intuition and also bringing in the head and the skill set that we all need um, it's the um, the uh, the word consciousness kept coming to me. I think that luminary leadership is also, and Lynn could speak to this, but as a call to um, to awakening. Luminary, I think of light. I was thinking about this amazing full moon I saw last night, but it's shedding the light, illuminating that which um, is our service and our gift of leadership, our higher purpose, individually and collectively. <laughs> But when we shed the light, we also shed the light on the shadow. You know, the light also can shed the light on the vulnerability, the darknesses, uh, the places of growth, the edges that we all have to be in integrity, as Shira talked about, to walk or talk and to model, um, which I think is even more important than um, not power over, but you know, influencing larger. And what is our relationship? Individually and collectively to power, and how to inspire others. I mean, a quote was coming to my mind as I was listening to everybody by um, the late and wonderful um, oh my God, uh, South African Neil, uh, Nelson Mandela. He said, "Lead from behind." You know, it's not just about dictating and everything, but it's about inspiring and engaging people from behind and in conscious leadership and in luminary leadership to be, to have as a leader the courage, but in modeling that and in integrity, it inspires others to do the same and to create a fertile environment um, where that can be cultivated in a very expansive and essential and necessary way. And I feel that, I actually feel in looking at this panel, experiencing and feeling the purpose and the energy and the, all of those on today, there's really a movement happening and, thank the goddess, God, whatever, for this group that we are all out there. There is a larger um, influence and shift that is occurring, because the mass media and that doesn't show conscious leadership. And if anything, I think what we're all seeing is that is it's inspiring all of us in our deeper commitment to keep going, to be innovative, to be expansive, um, because of what we're seeing, recognizing that this is our calling, this is our time. So I know I didn't cover everything, but sort of that's a synopsis. If there's anything else, Susan or Judy or anyone feels that I've kind of left out, there's so much here, but I would you know, really bring that out there. And I appreciate the time to be able to, to share my, my synopsis and my perspective.
2: Beautiful, thank you. Yes, Lynn, I agree. And, and didn't Patricia show there um, looping it right round to the beginning about you know talking in before you talk out but also the importance of listening I mean you really uh, showed us active listening there uh, Patricia mm-hmm. and sort of giving us your ear yeah it was wonderful and I loved the play on shadow coming back to today's topic Lynn because without shadow as you mentioned uh, patricia without light actually mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a shadow right, right lynn you know you need the light and a solid piece to give you the metaphorical and the real shadow so lynn before we go into judy for closing and thank you so much patricia do you have anything to say about that lynn of you No, I I think that was
3: a beautiful summary. I've got a whole chapter on shadow and toxic leadership uh, in the book because I think it's absolutely central. Um, And if you watch our politicians at the moment, there is so lack of awareness of, of what they're doing from their unconscious and their shadow. I think that was a beautiful summary. I cannot thank you all enough. It's been a beautiful session. I've learned a lot. It's glorious listening to other people. And this has been a fabulous session. Thank you to everybody that I know who's in the participants and everyone I don't know. I hope you become new friends. So thank you. And thank you, Susan, for this, Sherard and Judy uh, and Patricia as the panelists. And great to see Cindy and Jochenen. So thank you. That's all I can say is thank you, thank you, thank you.
2: Well, Lynn, I won't surprise you to know that your sentiments are being echoed in the chat. I mean, this has just been a wonderful, wonderful session. And we, we are behind. We know that. But we're only behind because we're in front. And we're only in front because we're here. We're in the now. We're present. So, Judy, over to you, Dr. Judy Neal. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you, Susan, for holding such beautiful space and for charade for... Creating the space to begin with, and Lynn, we do love you, and you do exude love and light. And um, Shakri talked about, I think, in one of his messages, uh, that the next Buddha is the community. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and yeah, and I, I truly believe that. He was asking Lynn if you believe that, and I, I know you do because you build community everywhere you go, and thank you for being a part of this community and. And the um, the communities that come together and overlap become the movement, and and uh, it, that's something Patricia talked about. That this is a movement that is not in the news, uh, but the light is getting brighter and brighter, and that's what's needed on the planet and for humanity now. So, Lynn, thank you for all you do in
2: bringing light. So. Yeah, Judy, thank you so much. So do we have any Edgewalker news, Judy? Just
1: just a little bit. Um, And the next Edgewalker Cafe is August 11th at 11 11 a.m. Eastern, and we'll put the details on the Edgewalker website, um, which we can put in the chat, www.edgewalkers.org. And our guest will be Sandra Bargman, who seems like a sister to Lynn in many ways because she's an interspiritual minister she's an actor she's a poet she is a singer she's a writer she's a coach um, and she builds community and one of the ways she builds community is through uh, her she has a show called the edge of everyday and she has a podcast called the edge of everyday where she interviews people who are edge walkers and brings, brings to light more of the edge walkers. And Sandra's on here today. And uh, I don't know if, if um, Sherrod can spotlight Sandra Bargman. Um, if so, we'd try.
2: just love to have you say hello, join the yes. panel. Thank you, Judy. And again, Patricia, thank you so much for your summary contribution. It was wonderful. And I have,
1: I have one more thing, Susan.
2: Of course, um, Judy, yeah.
1: The the. Um, in September, we are going to begin an Edgewalker profile certification program that Susan and, and Patricia have been certified as Edgewalker facilitators. And so if somebody is a coach or a group facilitator and wants to know more about how to bring that Edgewalker work into the work you do, then contact me, Judy, J-U-D-I, at edgewalkers.org and uh, we'll put the information up on the website, but it's a three month training program that's very practical Mm -hmm. that includes uh, practicing some coaching. That sounds
2: awesome and very timely, Judy. Really, really needed for now. Thank you. Thank you. you. And so we have Sandra in the room. Is that right, Sherad? Yes. Hello, everyone. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Oh, there she
1: is. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Sandra. How nice
7: of you to bring me in, and thank you for that beautiful mention for the next cafe. And thank you to all of you for this extraordinary, extraordinary session. I've learned so much. This has just been a great gift.
2: You're welcome, Sandra. And we're really looking forward to having you on August the eleventh. But Sandra, you're not getting away easy. Give us a little snippet of what you heard today. Just a, you know, less than a minute because we're really running over time. And I can see Judy's got something in her hand other than the glass of water. Over to you, Sandra.
7: Well, I, I, what, I, what really jumped out for me often was the, the notion of. The shadow you kept returning around to the shadow and I think that that's an, an enormous part of the work that I do in my the edge of every day the solo show and the edge of every day podcast is is really bringing to light the, the unconscious shadow that people are unaware of those of those are the people that I work with, that I coach, who are not clear about the paradoxes that they're walking with, that they are leading with. They want to be more light-filled, they want to be more conscious, but they're unaware of those darker aspects, those more shadow aspects, and that's a big part of the work that I do. Uh, in the podcast, in the solo show, and in the work that I do with my clients. So, of course, that well, thank you for, really jumped out uh, for me.
2: Thank you, Sandra. Sorry, the internet went a bit wobbly. Um, you know, you also remind me of something, but Judy, we're coming right to you. The word conscious, you know, has come up a lot and in, in Patricia's wonderful summary. And interestingly, um, uh, when Cindy launched uh, many years ago, the, the brand name was Conscious Pursuits and that morphed into deep change. So Cindy, how interesting that that's all dancing together now these days, Cindy.
7: Yes,
4: it's, it's fabulous. Spirit is at work in the world and
2: thank goddess for it. Amen. Sherard <laughs> is giggling and so is Jochenen. uh Judy, over to you for our finale and then Sherard will close us out.
1: Thank you. And again, Susan, thank you so much for keeping the flow going and helping us to go deeper. And Lynn, thank you for opening our hearts and filling us with light. I want to sing a song for you that honors the divine feminine, particularly in um, honoring the healing power of our Mother Earth. It's called The Earth is Your Mother.
8: When love is here, fear must depart, and love it must be shared. This is how.
2: Thank you so much judy sharad thank you to you uh,
0: thank you um, i mean what can i say after that finale judy amazing thank you so much uh, i want to thank all our constellation of stars you've been awesome it's been such an enjoyable fun educative uh, you know 75 minutes that we've spent together Uh, I do want to inform you that there'll be a recording of this webinar and a podcast available within 24 hours. Do share it with your friends, with your family, and your community. We want wider reach of this conversation. So do help us achieve that. And uh, I look forward to seeing you another time on the other side. uh, There is an events calendar on our website, onlywebinars.com. So Keep joining us and I wish you all the best. Leave you with this closing thought. It's always better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And all the best. Have a great evening. Bye-bye.
2: Bless you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Bye. Thank
5: you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.